the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, on our Tuesday edition, A Way of Grace. In the heart of the Son is the joy that God will be glorified in Him and therefore glorify the Son and the Father. Thus, we have the unity of the Father and the Son in the glory of the Father. What? Through the Son. The unity of the Father and the Son. Isn't that comforting? Why? Because we are sons of God as well. And we are one with God the Father through God the Son. Are we not? Glad to have you along for this edition of Way of Grace with our pastor, Jessica Stand, from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Today, Jesse is going to continue our series in the book of Acts, a book that is all about the power and holiness of the Holy Spirit. In many ways, the Holy Spirit holds the key to our living victorious Christian lives, and He is ever-present in the life of a growing believer in the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. For the details and today's broadcast of Way of Grace, here's Pastor Jesse. For me to simply be able to overcome trials is not where God wants me to be in my thinking. What he wants me to be able to say is, how are you going to be glorified in this mess in my life? Will this glorify you, O God? Will this actually advance your glory? Will it advance the glory of your son? Will it cause men and women to look to Christ? If it does, then that's my chief joy. See, now in John chapter 13, what we are discovering is that what Jesus meant in John chapter 4, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. It meant that it was really, truly an intrinsic part of his being to glorify his father. It was truly important. And and I would submit to you, saints, that this is an area and discipline in our life that we are probably woefully lacking in. Living for the glory of God. Am I making some sense? So let's go on. Here's what he also says in this text. And that's this. Now, if God be glorified in the Son, God also shall glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Now you ask me what that means. That's a bunch of terms put together that almost seem to be absurdly redundant. Listen to it. If God be glorified in him, then God also shall glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. So tell me how much you got out of that. What I can say is the son is doing this. Exercising faith as a human being. And a God who has demonstrated himself faithful to him from the moment he assumed the human nature. And has trained him up from a child to believe that the purpose for which he exists is to glorify God. 
And that the reciprocal benefit between the father and the son is this. That every time the son glorifies the father, the father has purpose to glorify the son. He is now moving towards a place of expecting his reward for him submitting to this dynamic of a relationship where the father has been glorified through the son over and over and over and over and over again. See, he's on the other side of his active work of righteousness. He's about to enter into his passive work. His active work has been his obedience since the moment he was a child. Obeying God's commandments, living honorably with his parents, growing up in obedience, living like a man, suffering what all, whatever ridicules and, and human elements he may have experienced as a child like you and I did, perfectly obeying his dad. Now he is about to passively enter into a suffering and depth of suffering of which he is able to say, God is going to bless me with glorifying me as he glorifies himself in me because that's what he has promised me. You guys see that? He's promised to glorify me as he glorifies himself. After all, if you remember what the father said in Matthew chapter 3, when the heavens opened up, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father was already pleased with him. And he was pleased with him before he entered into his active ministry. And then he said it again in Matthew 17, when the heavens opened up with Peter, James, and John. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Remember that? So the father has already asserted publicly his pleasure with the son. What I am getting at is that, here's what I'm getting at. That throughout the process of Christ's life, it wasn't the son merely acting in sort of an automatic way in obedience to God without there being the tangible evidences of God's presence in his life and affirmation of sonship in his life. That was taking place all along his ministry. The father was constantly affirming the son in his unique calling and purpose. And now he had reached the crescendo of his calling. And that is he's about to be crucified. And in the heart of the son is the joy that God will be glorified in him and therefore glorify the son and the father. Thus, we have in the second point, the unity of the father and the son in the glory of the father. What? Through the son. The unity of the Father and the Son. Isn't that comforting? Why? Because we are sons of God as well. And we are one with God the Father through God the Son. Are we not? Is that true? Okay, before I go to my next point, are you comforted by your union with God? Does that comfort you that you are brought into union with God the Father through God the Son? And all of the implications of union with Christ. Do you understand the blessed, blessed privilege of being a child of God? That ought to bring a great deal of comfort to your soul, union with Christ. And it goes on to say, the unity of the Father and the Son in the glory of the Father through the Son. Does that apply to us? Is God the Father glorified? Through his children? Of course he is. And that ought to be our delight as well, shouldn't it? 
that the fact that I have union with God the Father through God the Son, and in the same way in which God the Son glorifies God the Father, I, being a son of God, a daughter of God, want to be able to glorify God the Father. And in fact, I am guaranteed to glorify the Father because I'm a son. See what I'm getting at? All I need to do is be who I am, and I will glorify the Father. All I need to do is be who I am. And I will glorify the Father. Ah, theologically, though, that means that as a son, I'm called to suffering. You got that? Go back to Acts. Let's keep moving. Got about 30 minutes. So what the apostle Peter and the apostle John are getting ready to do is explain to their Jewish brethren the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ at the right hand of God the Father as God the Father glorifies the Son for having accomplished eternal redemption for the people. But as we've been going through the book of Acts, one of the things that you and I also are learning is that the apostles are laying the foundation of Christ and him crucified in order to establish a whole new church. And that means indicting the rulers for their crime of crucifying Christ. Every time they preach, they're going to say, you crucified and killed the Lord of glory. This is going to indict the Jews, but it's going to be necessary. And watch how Peter appeals to them to embrace this reality. Verse 14. Verse 13 and 14. A latter part of verse 13. Whom you denied and delivered up and denied him. Whom you uh, delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Does Peter sound like he was there? See, what we're talking about is a historical event wherein Christ was judged by Pontius Pilate in the presence of the Jewish people. When Pontius Pilate wanted to let him go, do you guys remember? Pontius Pilate said three times, I find no fault with this man. This is a righteous man. I don't know why you guys want to crucify him. I find no fault with him. And what Peter is saying is the Roman rulers by right of adjudication and examination found Christ innocent of all the crimes of which you allege. And you still wanted to kill him. These are indicting words. Indicting words. Verse 14. But you denied the Holy One. Ah, you see what he's doing? The Holy Spirit in the life of the apostle is taking the Jews through the Old Testament, particularly through the book of Isaiah, and saying Jesus is the Holy One. You know, that's the terminology Isaiah used a lot. The Holy One of Israel. The Holy One of Israel. The Holy One of Israel, of which the Jews lauded believing in and looking for and trusting and wanting. But you denied the Holy One. It's a device of language that strengthens the indictment, the legal indictment against the Jews and the just one. And you desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And our third point, the indictment of the people and the rulers. So who was the murderer that they had desired instead of Jesus? Barabbas. Do you remember what they said? Give us Barabbas. Luke chapter 23, verse 17 and 18. Give us Barabbas. So there are three points in this uh, particular uh, point that I want to call your attention to. First of all, the rejection of the truth. By the time the Jews crucified Christ, they had three and a half years of being confronted with the 
impeccable preacher, the flawless prophet, and the Messiah that all the scriptures said would come. They have been confronted with three and a half years of perfect love, perfect obedience, perfect righteousness, perfect messages, a perfect person, a perfect testimony. They were, they were completely overwhelmed with God's witness through his son, Jesus Christ. And what did they do? They rejected that truth, didn't they? See, the term rejection of the truth may seem to be a simplistic concept to you, but when we think about it in terms of Jesus, this put many of the Jews on the border of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Do you remember the, the account in Matthew chapter 12? where Jesus had been in the midst of his healing and the rulers had started saying he cast out devils by Beelzebub. That's rejection of the truth. It's rejection of the clear and explicit testimony of the power of God working through the son of God to cast out devils, affirming that the kingdom of God was at hand. So people call me a lot of times and they write me and they ask me the question. So what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Ghost? And I've said publicly, you guys have heard me, is something that is not really easy to do. Now, don't let people tell you that blasphemy, blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is something as simple as unbelief. If that was the case, we all blaspheme the Holy Ghost and no one could be saved. You know, one of our sisters called in the show two weeks ago. Well, I believe blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is just simply unbelief. I said, wait a minute. Unbelief? That's a sin for which Christ died to save me from. I'm born an unbeliever. By the way, you may not know this, but you were too. Okay? And so unbelief is part of our native fallen nature. Wherever there is faith lacking, unbelief is present. Christ died for unbelief. So now, unbelief may be at the root of the idea of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, but blasphemy of the Holy Ghost requires a whole lot more evidence than just simply incredulity. It requires you having had all of your senses, your physical senses, your visual senses, your hearing, your audio senses, your being present there while he performs miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. You hearing his preaching, his teaching, you're being subject to so much of the testimony of God in Christ that your conclusion that he is operating out of the power of the devil has to be a power given to you by the devil in order for you to be blinded by the evidence that could only conclude that this is the son of God. In other words, that's a powerful working of the spirit of darkness to allow you to still prevail in unbelief over all of that overwhelming evidence. Which, by the way, all of that overwhelming evidence is, uh, is unaccessible to us today. Are you hearing me? You and I don't have the privilege of being able to say we know what Jesus looked like. We know the cadence of his speech. We know his height. We know his size. We know his mannerisms. We know where he went. We know what he did. We saw his facial expressions when he healed Peter's mother. We saw how he dealt with the lame man, with the blind man, with the halt and the withered. We hung out with him. We heard his laughter. We heard his sorrow. See, we're talking about evidence, ladies and gentlemen, of the presence of the God-man among us, right? You and I don't have that. That's why the Bible says 
Blessed is he who hath not seen and yet believes. So the coming of Christ into the world in his incarnation gave the world at that time, particularly the world of Jewry, a level of witness of which presently you and I do not have an opportunity to bear record to. And hence, for our own purposes, it's very difficult for us to be able to rise to the level of unbelief that would merit the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. You guys got that? And I'm thankful for that. Be honest with you, I'm very thankful for that. Because what if, what if, child of God, what if we could say that we were there when he lived and did ministry and served and did all those things? What if we observed everything that he did the way the apostles did and the way the Jews did and the way the Gentiles did? And, and then he leaves And we are still struggling with unbelief the way you and I are today. Are you hearing me? The conflict in our conscience would be greater today than it would because to whom much is given, much is what? Are you hearing me? To whom much is given, much is required. And this is where God lauds, L-A-U-D, faith in the Son of God, in the post-resurrection, exalted, reigning in heaven, therefore not present down here, faith that he gives you and I to trust him on an everyday basis, not having all of those external empirical evidence. Am I making some sense? See, I used to hear my religious brother, they were believers, I used to hear my brother talking about, well, it's no different than now than it was back then. I mean, faith is faith. No, no, you're giving me a flatline interpretation of faith. I don't accept that. Are you hearing me? No, no, no. Faith is designed uniquely by the evidence that's furnished for faith to be able to operate. So some faith is small. Some faith is greater. It's all based upon the evidence that nurtures that faith. Am I making some sense? And so to whom much is given, much is required. I'm thankful. But I am sure that if you and I were there and God didn't put his hand on us, guess what we would have done? We would have rejected the truth, too. Secondly, they embraced falsehood, didn't they? All throughout Christ's ministry, he explained the scriptures. He soundly uh, interpreted them. He drew their Christocentric conclusion. He let everyone know that the scriptures are testifying of him. John chapter 5, verse 39. I want you to see 539 through 43. That will be uh, under the second heading, embracing falsehood. This will have application to us too, embracing falsehood. So what do we do as the professed people of God when we are confronted with the gospel in such a powerful way as were the Jews? And you know how the gospel is. The gospel actually explains the truth of scripture as it points to Jesus Christ and then exposes the falsehood of religious interpretations that do not exalt God. Isn't that true? Uh, Let me say this again, because I get this with people frequently. They have been under false religion, false teaching, false doctrine. They didn't know anything else. All they knew was the era of falsehood. And they, they knew something was not right, but they didn't know what it is, what it was. 
And then all of a sudden they hear the truth of the gospel where the gospel is comprehensively explaining biblical truth in a coherent fashion, summing it up in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the lights are cut on and they go, I got it now. I know what I was missing. I was missing Christ. And they start feeling bad. They start going, man, I'm dumb. How could I have missed him all those years? I've heard people say that a lot. They come, pastor, how, I'm 795 years old. I've been in the church for 655. And how did I miss Christ all these years? As if intellectualism is access into revelation. I say, stop being, stop, stop being sad. Because we're all dummies. A revelation of the truth is a gift from God and he gives it to whomsoever he wills at the time that he does. But now if I don't catch people at that stage of them feeling sad and sorry about how slow we are, I catch them when they're mad. Upset and ticked off with the church. I'm mad at those preachers and those teachers who did not point me to Christ and give me a clear, solid exposition of the And now they're on a campaign to kill all the false prophets. If they don't repent, those false prophets are going to hell and they're going to burn in the lowest parts of hell anyway. Be sure of that. Be sure that the lowest parts of hell are reserved for people who lie on God. So get over your being mad. You got that? Get over your being mad. God has a controversy with all false prophets himself. Your job is to be thankful that your eyes were open to the glory of God in Christ before you breathed your last breath. That's right. And so as we deal with our, uh, uh, the scripture, notice what it says. He told the rulers, you are searching the scriptures. See that phrase, search the scriptures? It's in what we call the indicative verb form. It's not an imperative. It's not a command. It's an indicative. It's a state of being. You are searching the scriptures. Israel was very religious. They read the Tanah all day, all night. They wrote it on phylacteries. They put it everywhere. They were very religious. In them, you think you have eternal life. Now, that's an interesting proposition. Because there are lots of folks who find their security in the scriptures themselves. And that's where the error is made. The scriptures themselves are a means to an end. Whoa! So you got in our evangelical church folks who are what we call bibliolatrists. Bibliolaters. Idolaters of the scripture. Whoa! That's cold. Is that cold? People who idolatrize the Bible. You can idolatrize the book by falling short of worshiping the true and the living God by means of the revelation that comes through the book and worshiping the book. Worshiping doctrines and worshiping teachings in the book rather than worshiping the God to whom the scriptures point. Ooh, Think about it for a moment. Think about it for a moment. So Israel had fallen prey to preserving the scriptures, writing the scriptures, watching over the scriptures, stewarding the scriptures, but not understanding that the scriptures are a light to lead them somewhere else, a signpost to take them somewhere else, a prophecy to lead them somewhere else, and they worship the scriptures and miss the author. 
You got that? So when the author showed up, they failed to see the author because they were blinded to the message in the scriptures. Are you guys hearing me? Well, it doesn't matter how big your Bible is. You can carry a big Bible and be a big ignorant dummy. You can carry a little Bible and be a little ignorant dummy. It's not the size of the Bible. It's the efficacy of the truth of the scriptures that leads you to the source of life, which is God himself in the person of Christ. You guys got that? It's not the size of your Bible. You can have 120 font if you're that blind. <laughs> you, you gotta, I got this room and you show for, come on, I want to show you 120 font on your big screen, on your wall. Bible verses. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510 510- 886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.